You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. I was born in New York City. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. It's the same thing we've been talking about with everything. It's the inconsistencies, it's the self-inflicted wounds. You know, being able to go down, getting a couple third down conversions. I mean, the one that Zach throws was an unscouted look that, that we hadn't seen. and He made an incredible throw and then come down and then we have an unfortunate fumble. You know, right when we are getting things going, something has happened. And I think that's what we have to get over that hump. Like this team, this offense has to get over that hump. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett talking about the offensive woes. And believe me, when it comes to the Jets, they have offensive woes. Defense, fantastic. Run game, solid. Really good, as a matter of fact. But all in all, offense, they've got some woes. Join us now as we kick off hour number two of the show is Rich Samini from ESPN. Covers the Jets like a glove. And, Rich, you heard Nathaniel Hackett talk about the offensive woes, and I know you were there to hear that up close and personal. But in your opinion, is it Zach Wilson? Is it the O-line? Is it Hackett himself? Or a combination of all of that. What's been going on with the Jets and their offense? Well, a lot of woe, as you said. And I think if I had to distribute the blame, uh, like if I had to come up with a pie chart on blame, I would say most of it is probably Zach Wilson. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he's just playing the quarterback position at low level right now. And, you know, they do have some talent around them. There are some skilled players like Brees Hall and and the offensive line is not great. I mean, they've had some injuries. I, I would say it's kind of mediocre, but I think there's enough there to do some stuff with. But the quarterback is just not playing well and, and I think Nathaniel Hackett you know, deserves a lot of the blame too because he just has not come up with any answers. Uh, the same problems persist week after week. It's the coach's job to make corrections and make improvements. And just as an anecdotal example, their red zone and their third down offense are not only the worst in the league this year; they're they're the worst. It's the worst in the league in modern pro football history. So, uh, so it's not good at all. No, no, clearly it's not, and there's been a lot of conversations about Zach Wilson and should they make a change, maybe go to Trevor Simeon. Do you think that that could potentially be on the horizon anytime soon? I know uh, they're saying externally that there's no chance that that's going to happen. What about internally? Well, I'm not so sure it would be Simeon. I mean, I think uh, Ken Boyle is, has been mm. their backup for the last few weeks, and I think Boyle will be the number two on Sunday again. Okay. And so, I mean, they do have Simeon on the third, uh, I mean, on the practice squad. He's been here about five or six weeks. And I think uh, a lot of people have assumed that he would be the guy just because he has 30 career starts. Right. But this coaching staff really in Boyle, and he's more familiar with the offense than Simeon. So if they did make a change, uh, I think it would be the Boyle. Uh, will it happen on Sunday? I mean, if they have a a no-show first half like they did against the Chargers, then, yeah, he could go for Spark. I, I would not rule that out at all. You know, and I heard Robert Sala say, you know, that they were going to roll with Zach Wilson, but he just kind of sounded like he was all over the place with it and not too sure what the answer was. Do you think that there's some, you know, some orders from above maybe to say that, yeah, Zach Wilson's the guy until we say so? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, the owner is very – here 
um, not as involved as as the Raiders owner, but uh, you know Woody Johnson is is pretty pretty hands on behind the scenes, not in a public fashion, but behind the scenes, and he wants to know everything that's going on. And this organization has really committed to Zach Wilson, not as a not as a starter, obviously, because mm-hmm. they went out and got Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. They thought Wilson's starting days were over, but the hope for them was to keep him around learn from Rodgers for a couple of years and then have him ascend again to the starting role in a couple, you know, two or three years down the road for experience uh, from from Rodgers. And so that's why they they know if they bench Wilson again, it could break him. You know, it just could be the end of Wilson in New York, and they don't want to take that drastic a measure. At least I think that's the way management is thinking. Talking all things Jets right now with Rich Samini from ESPN here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Dwayne Brown, he's getting healthy. Is there a chance that maybe he can slide back into that left tackle position and Makai Becton go over to the right side? I I don't think that's going to happen this week. Okay. Uh, uh, I haven't gotten any indication that they're leaning that way, so I think they'll probably keep Becton at left tackle this week. If, you know, Could they try to do something like that in the future uh, down a couple of weeks down the road. Sure, I think that would be possible. They're trying to get five on the field. They've already had five, I believe it's five different starting offensive line combinations. Mm. It's going to be six this week because the guy who started at right tackle last week, Billy Turner, is is probably not going to play this week. He's got a broken hand, so I think um, they're going to move their right guard to right tackle, and they'll have a new right guard this week. So it'll be combination number six. I know that the offense hasn't really been clicking, and, of course, Garrett Wilson's fantastic. But Brees Hall, how, how good has he been coming back from that ACL tear? Yeah, he's been outstanding. I think he's probably their team MVP so far. Uh, you know, he is a home run threat. He's had a, a few long runs. He had, a seven, I believe, a 72-yard touchdown. And uh, he's a threat anytime his hand's on the ball. Now, the running game has kind of bogged down a little bit the last two or three weeks. They've been trying to get him the ball out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, it didn't happen so much on Monday night against the Chargers, but the previous two games they threw it to him a lot. Took a little check down to the house against uh, against Philadelphia. There's the Giants, actually. A little one-yard check down. He took 50 yards for a touchdown. So he's, he's a threat. I don't think anyone... I mean, everyone knew he'd come back from the ACL. I don't think anyone thought he would be back to 100% this quickly. He really just, it's really only been a year since he's had the surgery, and he looks fantastic. He does. He is, man, I'm a big fan of Brees Hall. I liked him in college at Iowa State and hated that he went down with that torn ACL. But, man, what he's doing on that field is fantastic. Defensively, Rich, when you look at them, obviously the defense is lights out. They're playing great ball. Uh, Is there anything that Robert Sala has to continue to do and maintain so there's no finger pointing when it comes to what's the problem with the team, even though they're 4-4 right now? Yeah, I think it's a real threat, you know, because last year it was – you know, fractured somewhat because of a quarterback controversy. I, I think, um, you know, Wilson kind of pissed off a lot of guys on, on defense last year. Uh, I'm speaking of Zach Wilson, of course. Mm-hmm. When things were going bad last year, Wilson really did not show much public accountability, and I think the defense turned on him, and ultimately it, it got Wilson benched. So I think he's more mature. I think he's handling the criticism a little bit better, as far as I could tell. 
But, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, when the offense shows up week after week and doesn't score, I mean, we're talking about eight touchdowns in eight games. You know, this yeah. is the end of, you know, this, I mean, Miami had 10 touchdowns in one game against Denver. So uh, it, it has, it's been bad offense. And yeah, I think the guys on the defense, you know, they play their asses off every week. I mean, it's a legitimately good defense. And I mean, they just held Justin Herbert to a career low passing yards. I think it was 136. And so I, yeah, when this goes on, I think the more that will create in the locker room. Quinton Williams doesn't have the numbers that everyone expected him. He got the big money contract in the offseason, but still making an impact. How much have the guys around Quinton benefited because he's not necessarily getting home for sacks, but he's taking on double teams and more? Yeah, he's getting double teams more this year. Uh, Obviously, a half a sack is not what he had in mind, especially after uh, 12 sacks last year. Uh, I don't think his play has slipped, and and you make a great point because – that the double teaming has allowed guys like Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson on the edge to really get advantageous matchups, and you, and you see those guys. Bryce Huff is just—I uh, mean, if if I haven't seen him play yet, I think they're going to enjoy it. Well, maybe they won't enjoy it, but they should keep an eye on him because he's a really good pass rusher, just an undersized edge rusher. He actually leads the NFL in pressure percentage right now. The big name guys like uh, Micah Parsons and so forth. So. He's really good, and Jermaine Johnson, a former number one pick, is uh, has made guys this year. So Quinnen does not have the huge sack numbers, but all his other numbers are, are actually better than last year. Is this a game coming up on Sunday that you look at that Jets defense and, and they probably look at themselves as well and say, you know what, we're going to have to create a couple turnovers to win this one, maybe even take, a, take one to the house? Yeah, I absolutely think that's their mindset going in. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they're not admitting that publicly, but I think they, right. they figure they got to score. You know, they, yeah. they got to take it away. And they couldn't take it away against the Chargers, and it cost them. So that's what, they're, what this team is reduced to now. They just need the defense to create two or three short fields per week uh, and perhaps score because, or maybe get a score on special teams. You know, they do have a punt return touchdown this year from uh, rookie Xavier Gibson. So, yeah, that's. That's what they're reduced to because they know the offense. It's just it's just not happening. Sauce Gardner, he's the guy that everyone talks about. He's the big name. I was a huge fan of his coming out of Cincinnati. But across from him, DJ Reed is playing really well. What have you seen from DJ this year, and how have they complemented each other in the secondary? Yeah, I think the two. I think the Jets have one of the better cornerback tandems in the league, uh, and DJ Reed gets overshadowed because Sauce Gardner. He just had an outstanding rookie year. I don't think Gardner is playing quite to the level he was last year, but he's still playing at a good level. DJ Reed is having an outstanding. Uh, maybe he'll start to get some of the pub. You know, I think PFF had him graded as a number one corner this year. He's done a really good job. Uh, hasn't gotten any picks, and, and neither is Gardner. So that's an area they want to improve on. But uh, th- those two corners are are legit. The Jets are very lucky to have uh, the perimeter players like that. Rich Samini from ESPN is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just got one more question for you. What is one area that you look up at, at this Jets team and say, okay, if the Raiders are going to have an advantage and be able to take advantage of this, like exploit this, what would it be? Well, I don't know how they're going to block Max Crosby. <laughs> I know <laughs> another. a lot of teams probably say that uh, going into games, how are we going to block this guy? And 
I know his name has come up here a lot this week just in talking to players, um, probably more so than any of their other big-name players there. So, And the Jets' offensive line, as I mentioned earlier, they're just kind of in a state of flux right now. So I, I, I don't know how they're going to block him. The weird thing about it, Hackett, with his offense, for some odd reason, he doesn't help out the tackles a lot. Um, right end. It's not as much as it should be. So, I mean, I, I feel bad for the, whoever's at right tackle or left tackle and has to block Max Crosby without any help. For a tight end, it's going to be tough. So that's, that's the one thing that could, could really ruin the Jets' day. Well, I'm sure that Max coming off a three-sack performance against the Giants is kind of licking his chops and can't wait to get out there Sunday night football at Legion Stadium. Rich, thanks so much for your time, man. Great stuff as always. Appreciate you. And look forward to seeing you in the press box on Sunday. All right, thanks. I really appreciate it. Take care. I appreciate you. There he goes. Rich Samini from ESPN on Twitter. At Rich Samini covers the Jets like a glove. Has been covering the Jets for quite a while. Definitely appreciate his time, his insight this afternoon here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Got the injury report from the Raiders uh, for the Raiders and the Jets for Thursday. Of course, we'll get another one coming up tomorrow. And then 90 minutes before kickoff, we'll find out who's active, who's inactive. As far as guys that did not participate for the Silver and Black, there's just a couple of them today, but uh, one of them is pretty significant. Jakob Johnson is one. He's dealing with a concussion. Uh, kind of not a surprise. Uh, he got that concussion late in the game against the Giants, so kind of figured he was going to be out for quite a while. But the other one, very, very significant. Tackle Colton Miller. He's got a shoulder injury. Did not participate Wednesday. Did not participate today. So those or that one in particular is one to really, really pay attention to because that could have a big impact on this game moving forward. The offensive line just really had a good performance against the Giants, kept Aiden O'Connell upright, kept him clean, and was able to open up some holes in the run game for Josh Jacobs. So all of a sudden, if you don't have your your stud left tackle and Colton Miller on Sunday, that could become a major problem. So that's definitely a storyline to pay attention to. The Raiders had a lot of guys limited, uh, but I wouldn't be too concerned about the limited guys. Max Crosby, you know, he's going to play. Devon Diablo with the ankle injury didn't participate on Wednesday, limited on Thursday. Nate Hobbs still resting that ankle a little bit, limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Austin Hooper with the calf injury, limited Wednesday and Thursday. I think that they'll be fine. Thayer Mumford, good to hear that he's coming back from the neck injury. He was limited uh, Wednesday and Thursday. He didn't play on Sunday against the Giants, so obviously he's getting a little bit better. Uh, Marcus Peters didn't participate on Wednesday, limited on Thursday, dealing with a knee injury. Uh, uh, Antonio Pierce asked or answered when I asked him the question about Marcus Peters for an update on Monday and said that he felt like he would have continued playing in the game against the Giants if they needed him, but didn't really feel like they needed him, so they were being, being smart when it came to Marcus Peters. Uh, also, Greg Van Roten, biceps and back injury, limited on Wednesday, limited on Thursday, and then quarterback Brian Hoyer with the knee injury wasn't listed on Wednesday, was limited on Thursday. So it's a pretty long list of guys that are banged up for the silver and black. And, look, when you played every single week, had no bye weeks, they don't have a bye week till week 13. They've got to play the Jets on Sunday. Then they go to Miami, then they got Kansas City, and then they got a bye, right? So, I mean, when you when you go on that kind of a schedule that long, you're going to have a lot of dudes that are banged up. So uh, it's not a surprise that they've got so many guys on the injury report. Plus, they're being smart with these guys, like Max Crosby, right? They're not going to push him in practice. The Max is the one guy that they don't have to push in practice, right? He's going to give you the maximum effort. He's going to live up to what his name is, Max with two X's. He's going to give you the maximum effort each and every time. Uh, as far as the, the Jets go, 
did not participate. They got a couple of them. Linebacker uh, Chaz Surratt with an ankle injury, didn't participate Wednesday or Thursday. Offensive lineman Billy Turner with a finger injury, didn't participate Wednesday or Thursday. Rich Samini just said that he's not going to play coming up on Sunday because of the broken hand or broken finger, whatever the case may be. Sounds like Billy Turner will be a no-go. Uh, Makai Becton, the offensive lineman, he returned fully. Uh, he has a knee injury, but he returned in full capacity today for the Jets. Alan Lazard was limited. He's dealing with a knee injury. Jeremy Rucker, the tight end, shoulder injury limited. Quincy Williams, the brother of Quentin Williams, linebacker, dealing with a knee injury, limited both Wednesday and Thursday. And then Dwayne Brown, the offensive lineman, uh, full participant yesterday, full participant today. He's dealing with the hip injury. And as you heard from Rich Samini, probably won't get him back into the mix this week. Maybe they'll get him back into the mix next week. So that's definitely something to pay attention to. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. We've got our guy Lincoln Kennedy coming up at 3.30. We'll get his thoughts on the game, what the Raiders need to do to go 2-0 under interim head coach uh, uh, Antonio Pierce, and uh, all, all the things that he'll be looking forward to in this game. But as I mentioned, want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the WBroke.com text sign 69187, keyword R&R. Now, before we got to Rich Samini, uh, I had mentioned Antonio Pierce, and I mentioned the fact that uh, I had a chance to catch up with them during training camp, and it was August. As a matter of fact, I believe it was uh, August 8th is when uh, we caught up with them, and it's funny because I do all my recordings on my phone. We got the little voice memo uh, app on our phone, so whenever I'm on location somewhere and I get a chance to catch, a, catch up with a coach or a player or whatever the case may be, I use my phone to record it, so I have all these little interviews, two, three, four, five minutes, whatever they are, I have them all on my phone. I've got like 700 and something interviews still on my phone, which I'm sure is taking up a lot of unnecessary space, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. So as I'm going through it, it was August 8, 2023, when we had a chance to catch up with all the uh, Raider assistant coaches at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. So here's just a little bit of a clip of the conversation that I had with Pierce when I brought up Cynthia Freeland. We had uh, Cynthia Freeland on the radio show the other day, okay. and she said not only is he a hell of a coach, talking about you, but you're a hell of a teacher. What is it about that teaching aspect of it? Been there, done that. Awesome. <laughs> you yeah. know, just uh, I can put myself in their shoes, literally. Right. You know, uh, it doesn't matter that I played 10 or 12 years ago. I you know, played linebacker been, you know, on TV, done it, watched it. And, uh, I think I understand what they're thinking most of the time when they do stuff. And if they don't, then we, we talk about it. We get in a meeting room, hey, what the hell are you doing on this play? <laughs> Coach, I was thinking, all right, cool, all right. Well, how about we look at it this way? You know, you try to make them understand that you work together amongst it. Uh, I, I don't know how it is. I am as a coach. I mean, they'll, they'll say what it is. I just want to make them, make them the best football player they can be for the time that we're together. That's going back to August, right? And, and the reason I wanted you to hear that is because it sounds the exact same today. S exact same. What he says to us in the media room now as the interim head coach sounds exactly what it sounded like as the linebacker coach for the Raiders. Doesn't sound any different. Doesn't sound like he's trying to put on and be tough guy and, you know what I mean, and, and, and be someone he's not. Sounds the exact same, right? What is it about the teaching? They've been there, done that, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly what it was. That's why I could appreciate Antonio Pierce because the guy that I talked to in August is the same guy that I talked to on Wednesday. Same guy that we talked to last Wednesday when he was introduced as the interim head coach along with interim GM Champ Kelly. Same guy. So what does that mean? Same. He's real. Authentic. You know, you, you can tell fake when you see fake, right? Especially when you've experienced one thing a few months back and then all of a sudden, you know, you ever met someone that's, that all of a sudden got like a promotion or something or maybe a, you know, a raise at their job and all of a sudden they walk around like their ish don't stink, like they're a little bit different? We all have, we've all experienced that person. He's clearly not that guy. Clearly not that guy. 
So definitely could appreciate that. Got a bunch of uh, feedback on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Vegas Pete said, right guard going to play right tackle. Maxwell Feast and Wilson is starting to shine. We have the meats, Q. That's from Vegas Pete. And, yeah, I mean, the offensive line, man, you heard Rich Samini. That's why I asked the questions. I feel like I know a lot of the answers, but I ask the questions of those that are covering the team so that so you can hear from them. So it's not, oh, well, Q's gassing me up. Nah, that's the feedback that you're hearing from the ones that are there. He, he said that the conversation that's been going on in New York all week long since that Charger game is Max Crosby, Max Crosby, Max Crosby. Matter of fact, coming up at 4 o'clock, we're going to talk about Max Crosby. I'll just go ahead and throw that little tease out there, a little nugget. We're going to talk about Mad Max Crosby in the grand scheme of things on the national side of things. That's coming up at 4 o'clock. Raider Dill said, if Q isn't purposely late to the party, then we might have something. LOL. <laughs> I am normally late to the party, Raider Dill. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right about that. I'm normally I've, – like, I've been doing that my whole life, been late to the party. Now, I'm going to show up on time for work. Like, there's a difference, right? Q going to work is one thing. Q going to the party is another, a whole nother thing. It was so funny when uh, me and the wife really first met back in the day when, uh, when we were in Texas. She was having her 30th birthday party, and it was so funny. She's only 21 now, but, I mean, she was having her 30th party in, in like, theory. So uh, <laughs> had to cover my backside on that one. But, no, uh, it was so funny because she was having a surprise party, and clearly it's a surprise, so she knows nothing about it. So I'm setting it up like, hey, yeah, uh, I got this event that I have to do, and I got to host it. I want you to come with me. And she's like, all right, cool. So she's taking her time getting ready. And she's like, well, I think you might have to go without me, and uh, I'll just meet you there because I'm running late. But my only job I had was to make sure she got there. So I was like, no, I'm good. I'll wait. Oh, you're going to be late. I was like, it's all good. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm late to the party all the time. Like, I have no problem being late. It's just a party. It's cool. I'll, I'll be fine. You know, it, we'll be good. And so <laughs> we kept going, waiting and kept waiting. I was like, no, nah, don't worry. And I'm thinking to myself, like, damn it, I better hurry up and get her there. But point of the matter is I'm always late to the party. Always. If your party starts at 4, trust that Q's not getting there on time. If your party starts at 10, trust Q's not getting there on time. There's just no way. I'll be late to my own party. Right, I promise you, that's just what I am. That's that's a that's a must. Now, if it's work related, if it's being on the air, well, you got to be on time then because you can't get that time back. But yeah, uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely uh, not late to this party when it comes to Antonio Pierce. I, I think that the Raiders have something with him, and I think it's 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 really a good look. I'm excited about the opportunity that he has. He's just got to go out there, and the team has to go and uh, embrace it. Text from the 707, completely agree about AP. The more I hear from him, the more I like the dude. And that's, that's what it is. Again, man, it's something about guys that are authentic. You really can like them a whole lot. El Paso Raider said, Q&R, he was good. Wow, what a difference a coach with an attitude and different mindset makes. He's one of the homies rolling in my 6'4 Impala. Fire. This team needs to back up their coach like he's backing them up. The fact that he had his practice squad on the sideline last game shows. Shows how much he loves his guys. Now it's time for the players to amp up and show some the same energy. Also, right now, let's be patient with our rookie QB and let our vets do the hard work for him to make him successful. I haven't been this excited since 2016. Let's go. That's from El Paso Raider. Thanks so much for that. Definitely appreciate you. One more quick text. Brad and Concord, always good to hear from you. One thing I learned, what we pretty much already knew, is that leadership affects attitude. I think that that was in Remember the Titans regarding Aiden. We've all noticed that he commands the huddle and carries himself unlike a rookie, including the pre-snap calls we got to see when not handcuffed by McDaniels. I'm definitely pulling for him, but I think the true test will be after a few games of film 
being studied by all the defensive coordinators. Great point right there. That is one thing that I'm – I don't want to say concerned or worried about because that's there's no reason to be worried, but that's what I want to see what happens. Now that there's film out there and, and the more film that gets out there on Aiden O'Connell and Bo Hardegree, how will defensive coordinators adjust and how will the Raiders adjust according to that? Uh, before we get to Lincoln Kennedy, let's go out to Denver real quick. Talk to our guy Glenn in Denver. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? I know you're up against it real quick. You know, the more video I see of AP talking and commanding a locker room and the respect that everybody gives them, just, I mean, it speaks volumes to what this guy's got going on just with the whole, the whole program. I mean, he, he's got everybody moving in the right direction, but the other thing is he, he's putting the players in the best position to thrive. doesn't matter who it is. It, it, he was, like, handcuffing everybody before uh, with McDaniels, but now he, he's asking everybody's input. He's building the program around the players rather than vice versa, bringing guys in that uh, he's trying to fit into this complex system that never really transpired to anything. So I, I'm super pumped. I mean, we've seen one game, so the rest it, it kind of remains to be seen. But it, uh, I, I'm super excited to see this next game. We've got a lot of stuff going on that could possibly – be really, really good moving forward. Hey, good stuff, Glenn. Thanks for the call. Yeah, it just feels right, right? I mean, this, like I said, let's just be honest about the situation. It just feels right. Sometimes, you know, as my late great-grandmother, you said, just because it looks good and feels good don't mean it is good, but this just feels right. It really does. It just it feels like there's a guy that can embody as many Raider Nation has called in and said what it is to be a Raider. Right, and I've always lived by that mantra that you've got to have a guy, a special dude to be a Raider head coach. And then finally I was like, all right, well, maybe you don't. <laughs> right? I mean, finally I was like, okay, you, maybe you don't. Maybe you just need someone who's a really good coach and can, can take the team where they need to go. And then we saw what we saw. And, it's, you know, a year and a half went by, and just never, it just never felt like it was going to be right. Right? As much as we tried to, you know, back him up and tried to, you know, give him an opportunity, and that's all I kept saying is that, hey, you know, he's got to prove that he could be a really good head coach, not just a good coordinator. And it just it never turned into what it should have turned into, what we think it should have turned into. It just never did, unfortunately, right? Guys lost their jobs, and, and the Raiders lost games, and that's what's the, the worst part of the whole thing is that the Raiders lost games. Like I said, I mean, I've just been dying for this team to win and win consistently, as I know Raider Nation has as well. This situation, again, don't want to get too high on, on what's going on after one week. It just feels right. I know what is right. Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln Kennedy is always right. He's always on point when he joins the show. He'll join us next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread. Loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Connell's under center, snap. The handoff to the receiver, Myers are on the left side. 15-10, block from Adams, cuts inside, touchdown Raiders! A jet sweep to the left! And Jacoby Myers takes it for a 17-yard touchdown run. And the opening drive of the game for the Raiders puts him up 6-0. Raiders color analyst Lincoln Kennedy is live on Unnecessary Roughness. Right now on Raider Nation Radio. 
And Lincoln Kennedy joins us. You heard Jacoby Myers get into the end zone. That was that 17-yard jet sweep that got into the end zone for the first score for the Raiders versus the Giants on Sunday. This is Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Lincoln, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you. I want to start with the offensive line for this upcoming game against the Jets. Colton Miller's mispracticed the last couple days with a shoulder injury. How big of a blow would that be to that O-line if Colton can't go Sunday night? Oh, it would be huge, man. It really would. I mean, you're talking about one of the better collectively defensive lines in the National Football League. Robert Sala, the head coach for the Jets, has always been notorious of being able to produce four good rushers to rush the quarterback. He had that uh, with him in San Francisco, and he has it now again in, in New York. And so if the, if the offensive line is banged up a bit to where they're, they're undermanned, it can be a long day for Aiden O'Connell in this offense. You know, and the Raiders signed Brandon Parker back to the practice squad. But in my opinion, Lincoln, Brandon Parker's depth, and that's it. I mean, what would they do as far as the left tackle position if if, uh, Colton Miller can't go? Well, you put Brandon Parker in at right tackle. You move Illuminor over to left tackle. Uh, is your probably your best bet, or I mean they've they've experimented with it before by having Brandon Parker be the backup left tackle. I mean a few years ago he was supposed to be the swing tackle, meaning he could play either left or right. I just think that if you put him on the left side, you're going to have to put a tight end, and you're probably going to have to have the the majority of the strength of your formation for your offensive play calls is going to have to be on the left side. How difficult would that be for him just to jump into action when he's missed all season? As a matter of fact, he didn't play at all last season either. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know what type of shape he's in, but I know that you're going to have to do your best to help him out, and you're going to have to make sure that it, it, you know, with the game plan, especially, you're going to have to make sure that it's simple enough if, if things haven't changed since you got him back into the fold. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Aiden O'Connell uh, looked the part on Sunday against the Giants. He didn't turn the ball over, didn't take any sacks, looked pretty decent. What do you need to see from him this Sunday going up against a very tough defense in the Jets? Well, just growth. You know, the, the quarterback's discretion, the premium uh, of the discretion is to not turn over the football. So don't put the ball in harm's way. That's the, the first and foremost. Secondly, it goes to decision-making. You make sure that you find the, your, the, the right guy at the right time. The thing about last week and the difference between his first start and the Chargers uh, and this one, uh, Q, with the Giants was the fact that he did a lot more with his pre-snap reads and pre-snap recognition of the, pop, the possibility of the defense, what the defense is playing. Now, I will say this. A lot of people try to put, you know, a lot of emphasis into confusing the possible rookie. Well, it's kind of hard to confuse them. Pretty much, you know, cover two is the same in college as it is in the league. Cover yeah. four, cover five, cover six. They're pretty much the same. Once you learn them, if you're a true student in the game, once you learn them, you can have recognition and you can could, you could pick them out to understand what a defense is going to do. But understand this, more times than not, and I'm surprised that Martindale – the Giants' um, defensive coordinator didn't do it more last week, but I do know they're going to bring a high-pressure package on Aiden O'Connell this week with the Jets. How much does it help him that he's not your average rookie? You're not your 21-year-old, 20-year-old. He's, you know, 25, spent plenty of time in college and got plenty of reps seeing what it looks like. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's key because the two positions that need to see as many reps as usually, humanly possible are the offensive line and the quarterback. And the quarterback is for the reason why it's all about defensive recognition. It's all about where to go with the football. It's all about timing. Now, all that stuff has to speed up because it's different from the college to the pro. So to answer your question, it's helpful. It's not 
something that's uh, you know that's going to uh, uh, seal the deal, if you will. But it, it's helpful that he's an older guy and he's a little bit more experienced. The big thing is for the Raiders, the Raiders have to see what they have right now out of ALC. They have to see that if he's the guy for the future, then we can rely on him. And when the draft comes around next year, we can focus on somewhere else. I thoroughly believe they're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, they're going to see what they've got in the cabinet. And if Aiden O'Connell doesn't work out, then they'll probably start trying to figure out how, how best to draft one of these quarterbacks that are coming out. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Bo Hardegree, the interim offensive coordinator, I thought called a really good game on Sunday. Now that there's some film on maybe his tendencies and what he likes to do, how does he adjust and play chess as opposed to checkers? Well, it, it, it's really impossible to, to – Change who you are. You can't change your stripes. You are who you are. Right. And I don't know if there's enough or there's a lengthy enough red, resume on Hardigree to say, well, this is what he likes to do in first down situations. This is what he likes to do in the middle of the field. I don't know if there's enough uh, information there. Yeah. But if I'm Hardigree and I'm this offensive staff, what I'm preparing for is to try to maximize on what other teams have done to the Jets' defense, knowing that they've got a good secondary, knowing that they've got a good defensive line, knowing that they've struggled to defend the run but have been uh, perpetually stronger defending the pass. If we're going to run the football, we've got to make sure we have a good run plan together for when they make adjustments, how we can make adjustments and go on forth. The, the best thing for A.E. O'Connell in this offense and for Hardigree in this offense collectively is to be as balanced as possible um, with the run and pass. And so in order to do that, you have to, have, you have to be effective on both sides, both, both run and pass. We know how effective Devontae could be. We know how great Jacoby could be. Hunter, when involved, he could be there. How big of a game could this potentially be, though, for Michael Mayer? Well, it, it's really hard to say because without being privy into that, that, that meeting room mm-hmm. and that, that team room, I don't know what's been installed for Mayer or the right. tight ends. Yeah. I do know, historically speaking, this offense has best thrived when you're able to throw it to the slot receiver and the tight end because of the real estate that's available over the middle of the field. Now, we saw it last game and, um, with the, the slant routes that went for some yards after the catch. So those are the possibilities that you have with your slant receiver and your tight end. You have that ability. But it's going to be – it's one of those things where you have to be creative sort of the way the Chiefs do with Travis Kelsey. They yeah. find ways to get him the football, even when you don't think it's expected. Middle screen, a little you know, shovel pass underneath. I mean, these are little things that I've seen. You've got to find a way to make an impact in the offense. The Raiders have enough playmakers. Okay, they have enough playmakers in every position uh, that that's, that's can cut, touch the ball, that should touch the ball. But the, the problem is they haven't utilized all of them this, all year. So, you know, I'm not sure how Josh McDaniels called the place. I'm not sure what Aiden O'Connell, the quarterbacks, were thinking about when they, they heard the place. There, my, it's been my experience, Q, in the past. There are certain plays where you're trying to get it to certain players. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so understanding those plays in the huddle, you listen up like, oh, they called that? This is going to be my number. Like, for example, when they called 14 blasts, I knew it was running between me and the guard when we played. So when you heard that, oh, they're calling your number, you, you better show out. That's the same thing it could be for Mayer going forward. They've got to find a way to get their, their playmakers the ball. You can't just rely on number 16 and number 17. On the defensive side of things, something Antonio Pierce pointed out to us earlier this week is that for the defense to continue to get better, and they've played well this season, they've got to be able to stop the run. And Brees Hall is coming to town, and he can run that rock. Is this still an effort and, and want-to type thing, is being able to stop the run, Lincoln? Absolutely. And you don't, don't, don't make no mistake. you got Hall and you also got Cook, another good back yeah. 
uh, the one from Minnesota, they've got the ability to run the football. And right now the run defense for the Raiders has been porous because, you know, giving up five, six yards of crap, nobody wants to do it on defense. The difference for the Raiders last week with the Giants, even though they had a very porous run game, was the fact that the Raiders scored touchdowns. Mm -hmm. When you score touchdowns, you put the pressure on the opposing team's offense because now they have to score sixes. They can't just climb back in the game by getting close and kicking a field goal and tightening it up. That's why you know scoring touchdowns is more important. But the Raiders have got to get noticeably better to stop the run or teams, more teams that they see are going to exploit it. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the Jets, I don't believe, are a good enough offense to climb themselves out of a hole, but you've got to put them in a hole first. <laughs> Absolutely. And this offense has not had that much success this season. I mean, right. last game was the first time, other than a defensive safety, that they got over 20 points a game. Right. You know, in the game. So, you know, this, this offense leaves a lot to be desired. But there's been challenges through a lot of offenses this year. I, don't, I, I think it'll be a little bit more high scoring, higher scoring than, than the Giants game just because I think the Jets do have potential, even though every, every now and then, you know, a, a, a blind squirrel is going to find a nut. So they're able to put some things together. But I still think the Raiders, the, their best chance is to score touchdowns and put the pressure on the offense of the others, off, the Jets' offense, and they've been struggling. Lincoln Kennedy is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. How about the energy that's in the building? How much the energy, you know, that the players have shown? Can they continue to keep that up? Well, I haven't been in the building since the change has been made. The coaching change has been made. So to answer your question, can they keep it up? Yes, because you're a week recovering from the last time you showed that much energy. But I don't know what it's like in practice. I don't know what it's like in the meeting rooms. I don't know if AP has made it loose you know, for guys to feel comfortable there, which most coaches try to do, you know, one, one point or another. But I do know this. The energy that they showed last game against the Giants was impressive, and they were able to maintain it for the four quarters. And I remember telling Jason on the air during halftime when he was talking about the lead that we had, I said, look, we've seen blown leads as recent as last year. We need to see this team finish. And even though they didn't finish in the form that I wanted them to, they were still able to win the football game because the level of dysfunction on the other side. You're not going to always have that luxury. So these next, this, this game here pretty much itself is a tune-up for the teeth of the schedule, which you talk about the second half of the schedule. Then the Raiders have two games, uh, one against the Dolphins and one against the Chiefs. Both are going to be very typical games before they get to their bye week and possibly install more. So they've got to have that energy against this Jets team right now. Yeah, no, they're definitely going to have to do that in a major way. And, and you know, Sunday Night Football, Legion Stadium, it should, it should feel the part, I do believe. I know Raider Nation has a newfound kind of energy about themselves as well. And, Lincoln, earlier in the show, and I don't, want to put too, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, I don't want to get too excited based off of one week, but it just feels different when it comes to AP as the interim head coach. It just feels like, okay, I can get behind this. What is, just from a distance, what does it look like with him as the interim head coach for you? Well, it's still too early to tell. Okay. I, and and I'm, I'm a person, I'm like from Missouri, you've got to show me, the show me thing. Okay? <laughs> yes, sir. You know, I, don't, I don't take anything, I take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Forget what you said, I need to see it. Now, I, I played against AP, and I feel that I have a decent friendship with him, and we've crossed paths many a times, and even when he was coaching down here in Phoenix at ASU, I saw him a couple times when he was trying to recruit one of my sons. So, I mean, it, it makes <laughs> sense for him to be able to install, instill energy for this team to move forward. But, you know, the, the problem, Q, becomes it's, it's actually multi-leveled, if you think about it. The problem is if you're a player on this Raiders team, first and foremost you have to consider what your future is. How many more years do I have my contract? Is this somebody I want to play for? Is this an organization I want to play for? Because you've seen a level of dysfunction so far since you've been here, right? 
I mean, they fired their coach in the middle middle of the season. That's not necessarily what you call a functional team. Right. So, and when you hear about all the stories afterwards, you say, you hear about the level of dysfunction. So then you have to weigh your your feelings. Well, if AP is not going to get the head coaching job, and there's no guarantee that he will, then who are they going to come in? What if they come in with somebody they don't? So you have to start looking out for yourself. That's what I'm saying. As a player, you have to start looking out for yourself. You have to start looking out for your family. You've got to talk to your agent, figure out what the next step is for you. Then you have to be perceptive to what's going around the organization. What have you heard? Has everybody, how does everybody feel about AP? Do you think he's going to stay? All these questions that you, you, you run through yourself. So the, the, the short, this little long-winded way of answering your question, Q, is that there's still a lot of football to be played. But I expect the remainder of the season to be an evaluation period, much like it is in preseason, for everybody that wears a silver and black. I would be the one, if I was in ownership or general manager, I would say, I don't care who you are, no one is safe because we need to make ourselves better. The fact of the matter is the AFC is not getting any weaker. Right. The window's really not closing on the AFC. If you look around, you look at the usual suspects, you talk about the teams that have the, upper, the better records right now, are they going anywhere for the next couple of years? That's what you're going to have to deal with. So you're either going to have to step up to make your level and your level competition better, to become better, to challenge those teams, or go on somewhere else. While we go over to the NFC where it might be a little easier for you to, to make a championship chase. That makes a lot of sense, and I'll follow up real quickly as we close this out. And, and I've had people say this because of what the, the point that you brought up about firing a head coach in the middle of the season and the fact that they've had so many coaches, you know, already since they've been in Vegas. Since they've been in Vegas, they've had, what, yeah. four coaches from Gruden yeah. to Basaccia uh, to McDaniels and now AP. How desirable of a job, how attractive of a job is this Raiders job? Wow. Uh Okay, uh, um, I'm having problems answering because you would have to compare it to something. Okay. You know what I mean? You I think see what you're about saying. It. Yeah. Any, any coach that is coaching football, who wouldn't love to have a coaching job on the National Football League level? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And you talk about a storied organization like the Raiders, who wouldn't want to have that job? Right. The, 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 the problem, you know, in, in, in the past – and may he rest in peace because this is not a slight against it. In the past, when Mr. Davis was running things, there were a lot of coaches who were intimidated by that, understanding that there was an owner who was going to micromanage or help manage the team. And a lot of coaches stayed away from that. That was a big scare when Al was alive not to want to go to the Raiders. Okay, mm-hmm. But now it's different. Mark has already come out and said, look, I just want a winner. Right. And he's come out, and he's come out with no expense. I mean, he gave Gruden a $100 million contract. Look what he gave A's coach Becky Hammond. Right. Come over. So it's it's not like he doesn't want to win, but there's there's no right way to answer your question because you don't you didn't compare it to anybody else. I got you. You know what I'm saying? Does yeah, I got you. Sense? Yeah, no, no, definitely. It's just you know just with the you know stability that you know again the contract that was the length lengthy one for Gruden and then it was what a six-year deal for McDaniels and it's like okay but these coaches are coming in then they're leaving then they're coach coming in leaving so a lot of coaches this is what's been told to me that they're going to be concerned about taking that job because they don't know about their security their stability and so they don't know how attractive it would be I think it's an attractive place with the location the team like you mentioned I just don't know how in the grand scheme of things what it's looking like on the outside and so. that's really no way to quantify because the thing right. is is when Mark took over one of the first things he said in one of his very early press conferences is like, I'm not my father. 
Yeah. So I need to bring in people to do it. So he brought in Del Rey. He brought in, you know, McKenzie, and they had those guys for a while. Then they switched to Gruden. He let Gruden run the show. Had that, and the unforeseen circumstance came up and nipped Gruden in the ass, so he had to move on. You had to fire him because it was bad for business. Right. And it was a bad look to have Gruden a part of it amongst all the controversy that was surrounding him. You let an interim coach come in, Basaccia, you go to the playoffs, you lose the playoffs. So now you need to create a plan for the future. That's why you go out and hire Josh McDaniels. But anybody that's coming in, general manager, head coach, is going to want to put their own fingerprint on this team. So they're going to want to make changes. When McDaniels and, and Ziegler took over, they only had, what, 36 guys under contract? Right. They had to build a roster. Yeah. Yep. And now we're talking about, since you're moving on from him, who's the next guy coming in, next offensive or defensive philosophy coach? They're going to have their own philosophy. They're going to want their own players. There's going to be some turnover in this roster. All of those things being said can be can weigh in the circumstances on how you know how lofty or how lucrative this job looks. It's the Raiders, but it doesn't mean anything if you're if you, if you have to change everything and you're going to stink for the next few four years because then the fan base is going to get impatient again. Right, no doubt, <laughs> man. That's fantastic. That was an awesome answer. It really was, and yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I just kind of. You know, I'm just... a big boy. I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I know that's right. You, hey, fantastic job as always, and that's why you are Lincoln Kennedy and join us each and every week. Lincoln, fantastic stuff, man. Thanks so much. What college game are you calling this weekend? I have got uh, ASU at UCLA. Okay, all right. That'll be a fun one. There yeah. you go. We'll check that one out. Well, we'll see all you right, in the press box on Sunday, Lincoln. Thanks so much. Sounds good, Q. We'll talk to you later, bro. Bye. All right, brother. There he goes. The great Lincoln Kennedy. That was great stuff. Fantastic stuff right there from the great Lincoln Kennedy, and that's why he joins us each and every Tuesday and Thursday. And, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's why we have Lincoln on the show. That was fantastic. Man, I really did appreciate that. And, and really the extra explanation that Lincoln put into that, I thought that that was great, and hopefully you appreciated that as well. 3.48 is the time. Uh, my man Ari is telling me that I need to give something away, so why don't I go ahead and do it? He said, man, Stop being so greedy. Give stuff away. So I'm going to do it. Oh, you got the sounder. You even played the sounder. Okay. All right. I didn't know you were the sounder guy. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, but hey, I'll carry on. I like it. I like all it. Right. As long job, as you ain't, Jerry. As long as it ain't no jingle bells, jingle <laughs> balls, jingle dongs, all that stuff. I don't want to hear none of that stuff. Oh. None of that Hallmark stuff. But we can give some Scorpions oh, away. Oh, so that how about, stuff. <laughs> right. No, Two no. tickets to the Scorpions. Win them before you could buy them. They've got their residency here in Vegas, April 11th to May 3rd at Planet Hollywood. Tickets don't go on sale until Friday at 10 a.m. But you can put a pair of your tickets in your hand, in your pocket right now if you're calling number 9 at 702-365-9200. Call Ari. Say what's up. Call number 9, 702-365-9200. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Many thanks to Lincoln Kennedy. Joined us in the last segment. If you missed it, lvsportsnetwork.com. Definitely go check out all of our podcasts that we do from the morning tailgate to JT the Brick. Of course, Unnecessary Roughness. Even on our sister stations, ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, We've got Fox Sports Las Vegas. Got 1230 of the game. I mean, I feel like we got about 18 different stations, but they're all right there, lvsportsnetwork.com. Our website is new and improved. So if there's anything that you missed, you could always go back. You can find the podcast super easy. And the, the, the website won't make your phone bog down or whatever your computer is. It won't make it blow up on you. I used to have a time where I used to go to the website, and my computer would flip me off. My computer would literally look at me, and there'd be two big birds that point at me like, are you serious? This is for you, Q. 
My computer does not do that to me anymore because it loves our website, and you can too, lvsportsnetwork.com. Of course, our podcasts are all brought to you by Porta Subs, and we definitely appreciate them. We also appreciate my man Kenny. Shout out to Kenny. Kenny won a couple of tickets to go see the Scorpions when their uh, residency here in Vegas begins. Uh, win them before you can buy them. You can't buy those tickets till tomorrow. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. But Kenny's already got a pair in his pocket right now. Well, they're not actually in his pocket, but they're on their way to being in his pocket right now. So shout out to my man Kenny. We've got more winning on the way as well. Plus, we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. And coming up, in hour number three of the show, we don't have any more guests the rest of the way. So it's you and me. You're stuck with me. <laughs> it's us the rest of the way. But, no, we're going to focus in on Max Crosby and a conversation that I heard this morning on uh, Good Morning Football and NFL Network. I check out that show each and every day. Check out that channel each and every day. It's one of my favorites. What am I talking about? Well, I'll explain it next. We'll deep dive all things Max Crosby as we kick off hour number three of the show next here on Radio Nation Radio. 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.